Thanks so much, Bruno, and to Tom and the team. So good to worship together. And I just can't get out of my mind today in this whole service that the gospel of Jesus is good news. It is good news. Whoever you are, whatever is going on, we don't deny our circumstances, but the gospel is good news. His grace has found us just as we are. And we can be so, so grateful for that. And of course, we read God's word in the light of that, don't we? And as we work through a message today, we remember that actually this gospel we have is good, good news. We're continuing our series, working our way through the Beatitudes. We've called it the Beatitudes, as we think together about what it means to live as uh, radical disciples of Jesus and how he calls us to be in the world as his followers. Uh, Bruno's read that passage for us, and you can see here all the Beatitudes that we are looking at together uh, week by week. So far, we have covered blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the meek. And today we're thinking about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Can you think of a time perhaps when you've been really, really hungry or really thirsty? Like not just a little bit hungry, but kind of ravenous hunger. Not just the kind of hunger you say when you say, I'm starving, and all you mean is it's been four hours since breakfast and your stomach's rumbling for your lunch. Maybe you might be somebody or know someone who gets hangry. Do you know this phrase? Hangry. It's a mashup of hungry and angry, and it describes someone who gets irritable and bad-tempered when they're hungry. This resonates with some of you. I can see some nudging going on as well. And I want to admit to getting hangry sometimes. The phrase was actually added to the Oxford English Dictionary in 2018 because the word started being used so widely. And if you are someone who gets hangry, you can be vindicated because The Guardian reported that being hangry is a real thing. Uh, hungry can take charge of your emotions. Low blood sugar increases impulsivity and irritability, they say that studies have proven. This is not saying it's a good thing, but just saying it's a real thing. If you have a hangry person in your life, there's even merch. You can buy somebody this T-shirt for Christmas, if you like. Now, hunger and thirst are basic human needs, needs in us that look to be satisfied when we're hungry or thirsty. We know about it, and our bodies push us to satisfy that hunger and thirst. And Jesus says that those people who direct their most basic human need towards hungering and thirsting for righteousness are the ones who will be filled a reminder that the Beatitudes are at the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The beginning of Matthew 5, Jesus takes his disciples away from the crowds, up a mountain to teach them. And rabbis would sit when they taught. And so Jesus assumes a position of authority as he brings what is actually some revolutionary teaching to his followers. And in this sermon, Jesus gives his disciples some radical teaching about what it means to live in this good news kingdom. And as part of that teaching, he talks about who is blessed. And there's this statement about his followers being those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
Now, righteousness is an interesting word that we need to unpack and understand a bit if we're going to take on board Jesus' teaching here. Righteousness in the Bible has three aspects to it, legal, moral, and social. There's a legal righteousness that we read about in Scripture, justification, where through faith in Jesus, we have been given a right relationship with God. We are made right, made righteous because of Jesus. We've been seeing that today. Romans 1 verse 17, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith. Now, Jesus probably wasn't talking about this kind of righteousness here because he was addressing his followers who had called away, people who had already received the gift of faith and had been made righteous. Righteousness is also moral in the sense that it's about our own holiness, our inner hearts and minds and motives. Zechariah says in Luke 1, um, when he starts praising God when he can speak again, Luke 1, 75, he enables us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Inner righteousness in our hearts, holiness before God. But biblical righteousness includes social righteousness as well, hungering for righteousness for the whole human community. Righteousness here isn't just about a kind of zealous seeking after personal holiness. Jesus is commending those who hunger and thirst as they seek social justice in the world. If we want to be blessed, Jesus says, we're to hunger for justice in this upside-down kingdom for the ones who don't receive it. And that's not a surprise, really, because if you look at the narrative of Scripture, the pursuit of justice is a core theme of the Bible. And the word justice occurs over a thousand times in the Old and New Testaments. Isaiah 1.17, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. If you were here when I kicked off the series right at the very beginning, I, um, I talked a bit more about what it means to live in the upside-down kingdom of God. I shared with you that uh, we went as a family to the upside-down house that's on the seafront in Brighton. And I was describing how you can go in and take crazy pictures of yourself in this weird upside-down house. Now, I have to tell you that it's every speaker's dream when people listen to a message and take it to heart. And Tabitha, our children's ministry leader, acted on my message, and she and Steph Lunn went to visit the new upside-down house in Southsea and took this picture. It looks very similar. And she took some photos too, the, uh, the obligatory falling from the ceiling in the bedroom photo, and my favourite one of Tabitha falling into a toilet. <laughs> now, she posted these pictures on Instagram, and if you've posted it on Insta, anyone's allowed to see it, aren't they? And I quote, with Ellen's sermons, you don't just get great biblical context, but fantastic day out recommendations as well, she said. <laughs> so I'll take it. I'm happy to help. <laughs> Tabitha said she felt super disorientated as well, being inside this upside-down house, just like I did. 
And the Beatitudes remind us that Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. This is the baseline. This is where we're starting, okay? As we apply all these Beatitudes to our lives, where we're starting is, this is not a kingdom of the world. The values are different. Everything is topsy-turvy. And it is good news for those people for whom, generally speaking, life is not good news. We're to live and serve as radical disciples in this different kingdom. Jesus talks about a value system that is upside down. And in a world that is all about power, that is all about who is the most important, we are called to hunger for a righteousness, for biblical justice, where the lost, the last, and the least get priority. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we see him pursuing justice throughout his ministry. And we see him doing that in several ways. We see Jesus confronting injustice in society. Jesus was willing to speak up and out about injustice. I was interested about that word that someone shared. You know, rise up church, take your place. The, uh, the synoptic gospels, that's Matthew, Mark and Luke, record 40 instances of Jesus confronting both Roman and Jewish authorities with injustices they have perpetrated. In Jesus, we see him delivering the poor from exploitation from the rich. Jesus had a clear bias to the poor. We need to hear that. Liberating the powerless from oppression by the powerful. It's what Jesus did all the time. Giving power away, is that not a lesson in our times? as he liberated the powerless, and creating just communities to include those who are outcasts. This was Jesus' ministry, the good news gospel of Jesus. Jesus and justice means us, disciples and justice. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The prophet Isaiah says in, uh, the prophet Micah says in Micah 6, verse 8, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. If we are followers of Jesus, that comes with a commitment to seeking righteousness and justice for others, to speak out and to speak up for the vulnerable and those in need. Now, before we think about some ways that this might apply to us and how we serve in our own discipleship, I just want to pause and make a comment about a situation of uh, righteousness and speaking out for the vulnerable that has been in the Christian press and secular press in recent weeks. Some of you may have heard the news that Mike Pelavacci, who founded and headed up Soul Survivor Youth Festivals, has been suspended from his leadership in his church in Soul Survivor Watford, and he has stepped back from all of his ministry roles while safeguarding allegations against him are investigated. Um, Mike Pelavacci led those festivals for more than 30 years, and while it wouldn't be right to speculate or comment on any details of the allegations, his influence has been so significant to so many for so long that we just want to acknowledge the impact of this news. It's been reported widely in The Times and The Telegraph, as well as in the Christian press and, of course, in social media. 
And many Christian groups are wanting to speak out about the desire that churches and organisations are safe places where situations of abuse are dealt with. And we want to be those that speak out too. We recognise that whenever someone raises a concern, particularly about a leader, that takes courage and is something that should be commended. That should always be taken seriously. And we are glad and grateful that a full investigation is taking place. And we would also just want to acknowledge that news like this can be hard to process. Many of us would have been to Soul Survivor. This isn't at all just about our older teens or young adults, although we are speaking to them in their group settings as well. Mike Pulavacci's reach is um, long-standing, and so those in their 20s, 30s, and 40s will have no doubt been to a Soul Survivor Festival, many of them, and many even older have taken groups or have experienced his ministry. News like this can be sad and unsettling, whether we are directly affected or not, and it doesn't feel right not to speak into it when it is such headline news at the moment. It can cause some people to question their own faith experiences. And we'd want to bring some reassurance about our God who is at work, even when humans let us down. We also recognise that news like this can be triggering and can bring back painful memories of any kind of personal abuse that may have happened to us. It may remind us of painful and traumatic experiences. Sadly, churches and Christians are not immune to abuse of various kinds taking place. And we are committed here to hungering for righteousness, where support is given to those who need it, to work for excellence in safeguarding. And we want to be leaders who are available to listen and to support. So if this news has unsettled you, if there's been any sort of trigger, if you want to ask any questions or would like a conversation, please do ask. And if you want more help, there are organisations that you can connect with for advice. Now, I'm just conscious that not everybody is here today. And so Andy and I will communicate something of this um, in a similar way via a link in our weekly email this week, uh, a statement that will go out in our weekly email. Um, and that will include links of organisations for support as well. Thank you for hearing me on that. So let's just think a bit more broadly as we look at what hungering and thirsting for righteousness might mean in our own discipleship as we serve Jesus. So we've said we live in an upside down kingdom, a kingdom with a countercultural value system. And we said that righteousness involves being made right with God ourselves, seeking after purity and holiness ourselves but also a commitment to speaking out for justice for those who are vulnerable. Now, I don't know about you, but I find, this, um, I find this really challenging. And I want to be someone who stands out for justice, but it can also feel a little bit overwhelming. There are so many needs. Where do we even start? There's only, there's only one of little me. How do I make a difference? Where do I even begin to make a difference? And I guess when thinking about a theme or a subject like this, and when we look at the kind of broad sweep of scripture, we've got to remember that we can't do everything, but we can do something. And I think that's where we need to settle. It's the starfish analogy that you may well have heard of. A young girl was walking along the beach, and a, a, 
Uh, thousands of starfish had been washed up during a storm, and she was slowly picking up each starfish and throwing it back into the ocean. She had been doing this for some time when a man approached her and said, little girl, why are you doing this? Look at this beach. You cannot possibly save all these starfish. And the story goes that the little girl bent down, picked up another starfish, uh, hurled it as far as she could, and said, I made a difference for that one. We may not be able to change the world, but rather than that making us paralysed and doing nothing, what can we do to change the world for one person or in one small way? Now, one thing I think that helps is that God made us all differently, and we will all have different burdens and different concerns. Some of us will feel strongly about one particular area, and that will be our focus, and that's good. What has God given you a particular heart for? What do you feel a kind of righteous injustice and anger about, perhaps? I want to mention five brief examples just to spark our thinking. There will be many others, but these are as a reminder of the kinds of areas of injustice that God might nudge us to respond to. And I'm going to leave you to think about what that might mean for you from here. These are just a few ways that people are seeking to protect the vulnerable. The first is those who are powerless. And there are all sorts of examples. You'll be able to think of some. For example, human trafficking is a huge scandal affecting us here in the UK as well as overseas. There are all sorts of organisations we can get involved with to campaign. Those who are fleeing war. Some of you have opened up your homes to Ukrainians. We had a, a really special evening with David Butte on Monday, who we've been supporting. He lives in Cherkasy in central Ukraine. You know, I, 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 can't, I can't change the war in Ukraine. It's too big and overwhelming for me. But I can commit to praying regularly for David Butte and his family. And in his words, pray for some small, measurable outcomes. Children. Jesus had a bias to the lost, the last, and the least, and so should we. I find it interesting, and I wonder what God is doing, that there seem to be a growing number of people here at CBC who are getting involved in fostering and adoption. More than just one or two, an increasing number. What is God doing and saying, I wonder? It may be through supporting a child overseas through a sponsorship program. Who knows? My third thought is about the poor. What does it look like to stand with those in poverty, volunteering perhaps with CAP or the food bank, being generous with our time and our money, having a bias to those as Jesus did who have few resources? Creation care. Climate change and the way humans use the earth for their gain disproportionately affects those in the poorest and most vulnerable nations. It is an act of justice to care for God's world and do what we can, to pray when we put our recycling out, to seek to do sports, small, measurable steps to make a difference. We have a uh, creation care focus group here at CBC. They're thinking about small and bigger ways that we as a church can make a difference, as well as us as individuals. This poster, for example, that they've put up in various places, and it's on our website too, helps us to pursue action through small, practical, manageable steps. Do have a look at that. I know the focus group would love to have others involved as they think about, about more about how we could get in, uh, more that we could do as a church. And if you'd like to be involved in that group, drop a line to the church office or to me or to Tom Snow, 
uh, if you'd like to be involved, and we can link you up. And then finally, our front line in your workplace or school, making sure that you act with integrity. Perhaps that might mean speaking out for colleagues who are treated badly or being willing to point out injustice or unfair behaviour, deliberately including those who might otherwise be excluded. There are many, many others. These are just five for us to think about. And I guess what I'm saying is let's pray and ask God to give us a burden for an area of justice where we can make a small difference by our actions. We can't do everything, but we can do something. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. A.W. Tozer once wrote that the biggest challenge that we face in our spiritual lives can be summed up in one word, and that word is complacency. God save us from complacency. And as we seek to serve Jesus in this upside down kingdom of God, may we be people of righteousness, not just knowing that we've been made righteous, not just seeking personal holiness and righteousness, but in seeking righteousness, we do that for the whole of humanity as we stand up for justice as Jesus did. Let's pray together, and I'm going to invite the band to come back. And uh, just give us a moment to reflect on this word today, this theme today, what God might be saying to us today. Just take a moment. gospel is good news. It is good news for you and for me. And Lord, we thank you that it is good news for the whole of your creation, for humanity, for your world. And we pray that you would help us have your bias to the lost, the last and the least, and seek to be people who hunger and thirst for righteousness not in and of ourselves, but because we serve the God of the upside-down kingdom. Fill us with your spirit and speak to us and encourage us and challenge us, we pray.